This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 339. Cue Jacob music. People don't know that, that you actually wrote the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined by Mr. President Extraordinaire, Jacob Paulson. Thank you, Riley. And, and apparently part-time uh, music writer. Not true. <laughs> Not even close to true. <laughs> I, 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 I would be the last person who would ever be given such an assignment. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of the podcast, this being our Justified Saves edition. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, Justified Saves stories. This is, of course, DGUs, or de Defensive Gun Uses. Uh, our term for those are Justified Saves. And we've got a bunch of good ones today. We're going to talk about, gosh, what do we got on the docket today? We're going to talk about how important it is when approaching people at the door uh, to be careful. Okay, some things you know can go sideways very quickly in those kind of situations. We actually talk about that specifically. Jacob talks about that in the complete home defense video course we produced last year. Um, also, we're talking about mistakes made when homeowners go out after intruders. It's kind of a common theme on the podcast, but it, it comes up again and again. So we're going to talk about it again and again. Also, how one woman shot an axe wielding attacker. And we share the harrowing story of how one man was forced to shoot a tent intruder who was getting frisky with his girlfriend. So all this and much more. But first, today's episode made possible and brought to you by Wilderness Tactical and their new ankle holster. If you're looking for a quality ankle holster rig, consider Wilderness Tactical. Uh, it's, it's really well designed. It's well made. Made in the USA. It's got a nice, uh, what do we call that? Lamb's wool. It's sheepskin. There's sheep. Something sheep. Yeah. It's it's a nice cushioned interior of the ankle rig itself. And, yeah, it kind of uh, sits against the ankle bone. Yeah. Right, right. And it's you know quite comfortable because of that. And then you got of course your holster pocket for a nice subcompact or microcompact gun. I I, I like mine with the uh, uh, LCP two, uh, you know, three eighty that I have. And I think you were trying yours out with the Sig P three sixty five. Yeah, yeah. And I have one for the Glock 43 as well that I've used in the past. And, you know, I think what some people, here's, I think sometimes we run the risk of, you know, we neglect to talk about some, some of these less common carry options because they're often backup guns or secondary guns. And so I, I think of an ankle holster as like the second holster you need, you know, because there are some situations where either you need two guns, you know, a good backup gun, or for whatever other reason, the ankle holster has got to be the way you carry a gun that day. Yeah. You know, uh, having a backup gun is not a bad idea. And there are times I carry a backup with me. I don't do it every day, but I, I do carry a backup gun from time to time. Sometimes it's a pocket holster. Uh, I think that works pretty well. And, and I'll say this much too. It's not a bad idea to have your backup gun be situated in a way that you can draw it with your non-dominant hand. So that way, if your dominant hand is tied up in a fight uh, or maybe it gets injured, right? Maybe you get your primary gun out, but right from the get-go, your primary hand and gun gets shot. 
uh, now you don't know you don't know what to do. So having a backup gun and having it accessible with your non-dominant hand, not a bad plan at all. So uh, an ankle holster, certainly an option. Pocket holster, yeah, whatever. But uh, Wilderness Tactical Today is a sponsor. We appreciate them coming on board as a sponsor of the podcast. And uh, they have a great ankle rig set up. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash ankle rig, A-N-K-L-E-R-I-G, to check it out, all right? It's really, really well, uh, well designed, well made, and also affordably priced. Also, this uh, this week, we're launching a new product from ConcealedCarry.com. This is our Fighting from Cover with Unconventional Shooting Positions video course. Launching this week. Super excited about it. I put a lot of work into this video course. And uh, you know what? I-, I could say a lot about it because I'm kind of the primary dude that's, that uh, filmed a lot of the scenes. But I'd like to kind of hear your take on it, Jacob. Tell, tell folks what to expect coming from uh, Fighting from Cover. Well, I think there's the why and then there's the what, right? And I think the why is always more important. I think the skill uh, and the tactics associated with the use of cover in a gunfight are under, um, under, I don't know if under, what's the word I'm looking for? We underestimate the value of those things. I think, you know, unfortunately over this last week or so, last seven days, we've had a number of high profile mass shootings in this country. And use of cover is arguably one of the most critical tactics deployed in an active shooter event or any other, you know, active, you know, a shooting event where, where you're taking gunfire. Uh, and, and, and here's the key. And I think some people neglect. Yeah. Like, I don't need to convince you that like getting, putting objects between you and oncoming bullets is a good idea. Anybody can run to, to cover and hide. What you may not understand is that when we talk about the skill associated with use of cover, we're talking about your ability to use that cover as a tool, as you fire back. And, and you do so, you know, maximizing your odds of survival and getting shots on target. And I think that that's, that's a skill that's grossly uh, undervalued or that we just don't talk about enough, but arguably because there's limited circumstances where we can practice it or train it. Uh, there's, you know, not all classes teach it. And so anyway, I think it's a, it's a well done course. I think, you know, you have basically kind of three sections of the course. You have section one, which is Riley given all the instruction. I've been through about half of that so far. It was really good. And you have section two, which is uh, done with John Correa from Active Self-Protection. And I was there when it was all filmed, so I've seen all of that. And it's really solid, good content. Then you have section three, which is all the work that was done with uh, Ultimate Training Munitions. Both there's some drills there that are taught and some active shooter scenarios that are filmed uh, to illustrate the proper use of cover and the value of cover in those kinds of gunfights. All around, I'm thrilled, pumped, think the content is really good. And we're going to, here's the secret. The whole thing's going to sell for $30.06. Like I can't, we don't want to overcharge for something as a company, right? We're trying to think of an appropriate price. But if I'm being honest, I think only a fool who is serious about carrying a gun uh, would not spend $30 on, you know, what's probably going to be the two to four hour course about proper use of cover. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Awesome, man. Uh, So, I'm super excited as well about the Fighting from Cover course uh, officially launching this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, because I put, I've literally put so many hours, dozens and dozens and dozens of hours into this course. And Jacob and I actually drove to Phoenix, Arizona to meet with John Korea and, and spend some time with him at the range and, and film those portions of the course. And we due to the nature of John's very busy schedule and our schedules too, that required a basically a, about 
what 26 hours of driving in Lunch about a weekend <laughs> yeah in about a 36 hour window <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, kind of a crazy time but uh, we're glad we got it done so if you want to learn more about the fighting from cover with unconventional shooting positions course go to fightingfromcover.com check it out you can learn more there and i hope that you guys will take part in that and view it and enjoy it as well now to be clear the uh, video is not quite yet up or live but uh, we're putting the finishing touches on it now and uh, we are but we are in launch mode now now and uh, purchasers of the course during this launch period are going to get this bonus tactical pen so with the uh, concealedcarry.com logo on it pretty cool stuff all righty let's jump into our first news story jacob we've got a story out of new york this is actually an update we talked about this one oh i think maybe last month maybe it was two months episodes ago uh talking about justified saves and this was the story of a new york man in upstate new york who shot two intruders in his home came into the home to burglarize it and he shot it with a gun that he claims he found in the home uh, that was left behind from his father who passed away now in virtually any other state, and there's a few exceptions. You know, there's a couple of states where guns have to be registered, particularly handguns, California being one of them. Uh, Hawaii would be another one, I think. Uh, uh, Maryland, Massachusetts. Maryland, yeah, exactly. Some of those states that people are familiar with uh, not being the most gun-friendly of states. If this has been any other state, like even right here in Colorado, it's completely legal. Even though we have universal background checks, it's completely legal to transfer a firearm between immediate family members. But because it's New York, this guy finds his dad's gun. I don't know whether he just didn't know the law or he just didn't think about it. Like, hey, you know, it's my dad's and like whatever. But he uses his dad's gun, who's passed away, to shoot these two intruders and then found himself with charges pressed against him for using this so-called illegal gun because it was not registered. Well, the good news is here's the update. Just a, a week or so ago, actually, no, this is just updated as of like yesterday. So this is recent news. Those charges against him have been dropped. He was never charged for the actual use of deadly force against these intruders. That was not, you know, in, in question yeah. at all. It was all about the gun he used not being registered to him. And those charges have now been dropped. So he's lucky. And I'm glad it worked out this way because I think this is how it should have worked out. But uh, then again, you know, we talk about the the importance of being prepared for legal fights, not just the gun fights, but legal fights, because he likely has an attorney, <laughs> you know, with uh, some pretty fat bills uh, to pay for that has represented him during this time to get to a point where these charges have now been dropped. Yep. So, I, I yeah. Thank goodness they've been dropped. Um, the, the premise, the concept of firearm registration is obviously horrible. No gun owner anywhere ever thinks that it's a good idea that firearms should be registered, in my opinion. If so, they're, they're really misinformed. But yeah, New York, New York happens to be one of those places where, well, New York City, specifically the five boroughs, uh, is a place where guns do need to be registered. And so did he break a law? Uh, I think he technically, very technically did, but the attorney obviously was able to show that, you know, he wasn't being purposefully negligent or reckless or just kind of nature. I don't know what the attorney's argument were, but one, one reason or another charges were dropped. And I think that's the good news. Absolutely. There, anyway, we just wanted to provide you all with that update because uh, you probably were familiar with that story from a uh, past episode. All right, Jacob, tell us about, we've got this uh, video from a uh, doorbell camera 
and this thing is playing in my ear. And as you and I were talking beforehand, you basically can't mute it. <laughs> I switched over to the story and it started playing. Um, doorbell camera captures tense moment when armed homeowner confronts Prowler. And uh, tell us, you know, what, what you see from watching this video and uh, what are some of the lessons we can learn from it? All right. So Prowler comes up to home to a door and he try. we assume he tries the door. That part's not caught on, you know, we don't, we don't see that necessarily, but the homeowner hears something. So he flips on his doorbell cam. And at that point, what he sees is this Prowler leaving the door and going back down the driveway uh, down the street. So homeowner grabs gun, you know, goes down, opens front door, walks out. And at this point, by the time he hits the, 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 the porch, the patio, right, this prowler has moved on to the neighbor's house and is coming up onto the, uh, the neighbor's house. That's really about all we get with the doorbell cam. You know, what, what happens then supposedly, according to, to you know, the, the guy, is that the prowler sees him with gun, you know, shirtless, with a cat, a black cat, it would seem, and says, oh, crap, it's a black cat. I better run. Now, probably he saw the gun and decided he should, he should bail. And that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. Well, so actually the homeowner does follow him out to the street and to the vehicle, tells him to stop, and uh, the man jumps in the vehicle and takes off. And okay, actually, I, that's, a, that's a critical detail I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually hear in the video, you can hear tires squealing. So this guy's obviously, he's taken off pretty fast. and you, It's way off the distance of the camera, but you can kind of see the lights, you know, turn and move really fast in, in, in the way the car goes. So the good news is this man was able to thwart a potential home invasion uh, and also stop all, uh, the same for his neighbor because it started with him, with the man being alerted due to his doorbell camera basically right which are becoming more and more pet popular all the time and i think they're a really pretty cool tool uh for homeowners these days yeah i'm in the camp of why not yeah yeah and so he gets the alert on his phone hey movement detected on camera he looks at it goes whoa what's going on here goes out and by the time he gets out there basically sees this man this intruder potential intruder trying to get into his neighbor's uh, open garage now as well and, and that's kind of how that all how that all plays out so the, again, the good news is that he thwarted all this, but why we're talking about it and we're actually not including it in our justified save story per se, we're actually including this kind of in the be careful and you know maybe don't do this. And what is this that I'm referring to? It's the fact he actually pursued the man outside and actually down towards his car. We have shared, longtime listeners will know this too, we have shared so many stories where this kind of thing goes south very quickly when homeowners particularly leave the safety, relative safety of their home, and particularly go out, especially to where the criminal's vehicle is waiting. Things go, go downhill from there, typically. It happens all the time. So while we applaud this man for, for being alert and ready and, and was able to respond and thwart the attack, again, the cautionary tale that has been told many times on this podcast is stay indoors, Stay secured, place that 911 call, you know, and, and, and hopefully you know your neighbors too, okay? Because again, he's probably thinking, hey, I see he's going to my neighbor's garage. Well, rather than follow him over there, maybe call the neighbor too. Say, hey, just so you know, police are already notified, they're on their way, you know, that sort of thing. So that that's, you know, again, at concealedcarry.com, we're passionate about self-defense and we're passionate about preservation of of you our listeners and 
we've shared a number of stories on the podcast where this, you know, this well-meaning homeowner could have possibly ended up dead on his front step. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, don't, not, not good. Don't do that. I mean, you have nothing, nothing to gain except for attempting to submit someone to custody and catch them. And you have, you put so much at risk, so much at risk just for the potential opportunity you might subdue what capture arrest a bad guy. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. So watch, watch yourself. Okay. It's, it's very easy to, I think to get, uh, trapped in, uh, in, in doing that very same thing. Cause I think people respond, uh, they're, they're really just reacting to what's occurring and, uh, you should know, you should know ahead of time how you're going to respond to this type of incident. Okay. Same goes to, uh, of, uh, of an actual invasion, a home invasion, and you chase the person out of your home. You should, oh. once they're gone, you should, uh, let them go. We got a story coming up uh, from Virginia today that I'm going to harp a little bit more on this topic. Absolutely. All right. Next story. Oh, by the way, that last one was from uh, Kentucky. This next one is out of Greenville, South Carolina. And it's, it, the, the title of it is, uh, police said an officer shot a man who opened a door while aiming a gun. Then the body cam video came out. And I actually don't really care so much to focus on the fact, apparently the police department or the sheriff's office I don't know whether they're intentionally spinning the story or if they some you know PIO just said the wrong thing and didn't have all of his facts straight. I don't know, but that's not the issue. What I want to focus on is we have body cam footage. This is an incident in South Carolina where police were notified, you know, via dispatcher that received an automated call from a a home alarm kind of system and it wasn't actually the 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 home's alarm apparently further investigation showed that a phone a mobile app with some sort of alarm type you know function to it a call went out from that and this could be something like hey i've fallen <laughs> you know and i can't get up sort of call you know like uh, that sort of thing so the alarm company notifies police police respond and the officer approaches the home. Now, this is not an untypical situation to see occur, all right? When they receive a call, they don't have a lot of details about what the call's about. They're going to kind of approach the, the home somewhat slowly, looking at, you know, through the, at the door, through the door, windows, anything they can see, kind of checking things out, see what's going on. And the officer went up, checked things out, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, continued to look around a little bit. And then at some point, he sees through a side window next to the door, the homeowner approaching the door, and he then sees the homeowner with gun in hand. And I believe the homeowner even, at least the officer believed, he raises the gun and towards him. All right. So then the police officer draws his own firearm and shoots the homeowner through the window. Come to find out, nothing wrong going on in this household, right? And so... Why am I talking about it on the podcast today? Because this is a, a, a really scary situation, one that I think could be avoided. And I think the lesson to be told here is that we should be careful how we approach situations at, our, at the doors of our home. And even if we are inside our own home, I think it's still wise to hold our cards close to our chest. Okay. In other words, don't 
be overt about, hey, I've got a gun until it actually makes sense for this to happen, right? Now, at this moment, this this homeowner doesn't know what's going on. He knows his doorbell's been rang. He knows his door's been knocked on. He can see somebody out in front. I don't know why he doesn't see or recognize that it's a police officer because if you watch the footage, you hear him. He's basically asking, like, who are you sort of thing? And, and the dude's like, I'm a cop. Um, you know, so he didn't he didn't see this and recognize the officer for whatever reason, didn't see a badge. But uh, the, the thing here, though, is that he, he played his hand too soon, meaning that the gun was visible. And whether, that was, whether this was a cop or a bad guy, it could have ended up the same, with the same sort of result. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, the, the point is, you know, whether or not the cop's conduct was good or bad is not kind of the relevant point of, of this conversation, right? Our conversation is about purely from the homeowner's perspective and the reality that he was in knowing what he knew was his conduct best as good as it could have been. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's the point. So, and then again, you know, we, we have to also, I think, be thinking that there are times that people's homes get their doors knocked on by police in the middle of the night. It's happened at my household. Mine right? too. And, and you, you need to be cautious and careful and, and approach that in a way that's appropriate that maximizes your safety and doesn't put you in a position that's uh, a less than ideal position, meaning one where an officer who's also there happens to see your gun. And before anything can, you know, if they, if they see a gun, chances are there's a good chance they're going to respond accordingly and re, and respond, meaning they're going to be drawing their own guns. So, uh, you know, just, just give that some thought and put incorporate that into your own personal home defense tactical plan and think about how you might address that. Now, I'll give you a, a little tip. Uh, rather than approaching a door with gun in hand, now I'm not saying you can't do this. I'm just saying here's here's an alternative that I think is also appropriate. You know, when I go to bed at night, Jacob, I don't know if I ever shared this in the podcast, and I don't rec- recall actually explaining this specifically. This would be a little tip, though. The pants, you know, that I'm wearing right now, when I get home tonight and I'm getting it ready for bed, when these come off, they are going to have my holster still attached to them, and I'm they're going to get dropped right there next to my bed on the floor. And the quick access safe is right here, just, you know, next to that, essentially. So, and I've done this where, you know, in the middle of the night, I've been awakened. Uh, We've had, you know, I've shared some incidents on the podcast before that have have occurred. Won't go into those stories again, but jumped up, thrown the pants on. I can get those on very quickly because they're already ready to go. Belts on them, you know, the holster is still attached to them. And then open the quick access safe and throw my gun in the holster. All right, so then approach the door with a holstered gun as opposed to one in the hand. See, a little bit better tactic is, is, is how I see it anyway. So lots of other approaches, I'm sure, but that's just one, one thing or one way or one alternative way that we could do things. Uh, one, I'll just add this one thought, and we talk about this a lot in our Complete Home Defense course, but I won't, I won't live in a home where the person sitting on my front porch at my front door can look through the door or the window next to the door and see me walking up to the door. I just think that's ludicrous. I mean, that's such a horrible, vulnerable position. How am I supposed to see who's at my door without them seeing me first? I can't effectively. That sounds really bad to me. So yeah. if you happen to live in a home that's got you know glass in the door or it has glass right next to the door, as this one clearly does based on, on the video we can see, cover it, you know, frost it, uh, put something over it, something so that the BG, or in this case, the cop, doesn't see you walking up to the door with a gun in your hand. I just, I, I don't, what, yep. bad idea. 
Yep. Uh, and also too, I mean, and this is a fair comment from Chris on the Facebook feed uh, that, you know, he basically is just saying he, you know, he would answer the door. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that, that's certainly, uh, and, Ken, uh, and Ken also says, can't answer door with gun in hand in Ohio. I, I don't know what Ken's referring to necessarily. I don't know if that's a law because that's one I'm not familiar with. But uh, anyway, just some things to consider there. Okay. But think about how we approach things at the door. And uh, your, your point's valid too, Jacob. Uh, you know, having those sidelight windows like this house had, that definitely put this guy at, an, at a disadvantage. So, all right, let's move on. Let's get now to our first justified save story. This one out of Amelia County, Virginia. Couple homes, <laughs> couple holds home invasion suspect at gunpoint. Uh, this one happened where homeowners held a man and woman accused breaking into their home at gunpoint until police arrived to make the arrest. Uh, initially, what, they, what happened is they heard their dogs barking, making a lot of noise and, and commotion. And then they heard a voice inside the home. Could have been the, you know, the intruder actually trying to soothe the, uh, the, uh, the animals. The homeowner then yelled, who's in my house? And received a response that confirmed their worst fears. When we heard somebody yell back, that was the scary moment, the female homeowner said. She grabbed a gun and handed it to her boyfriend while calling 911. That's a pretty good, whether they've rehearsed this or they, or whether they have an actual uh, home defense plan in place or not, just the fact that they had the wherewithal to, she grabbed a gun, handed it to him, immediately jumped on, on the phone for, to call 911. That's a pretty good plan right there. Uh, and then he says he could see a grown man at the bottom of the stairwell pleading, asking for help. They held him at gunpoint. They didn't know what's going on. And so he just sounds like the boyfriend just stood there at the top of the stairs with the gun in hand. And the, and the other gentleman didn't go anywhere until police arrived. And it turned out it was a suspect who had stolen a car and then crashed it into this couple's shed. Yeah. So, you know, clearly these people were legitimate threat, right? They had just stolen a car. Um, they both have warrants out. They're armed. They have a weapon. Um, and they come into the home. So I'd, I'd say, you know, is this, is this a legitimate threat? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what could happen here? These people are, are criminals. They don't want to get caught. Um, so all, all that good and, and stuff. <clears throat> uh, I have a tangent that may or may not be related. And, and mostly it's because of the headline. If the headline to this news story had not worded it this way, the headline says, couple holds, holds home invasion suspect at gunpoint. And we also previously talked about um, the guy who went outside from the doorbell camera and you know tried to get the guy to stop you know when he was trying to escape. Um, I found, I talked to our friend Andrew Branca, attorney Andrew Branca, last week or earlier this week I can't remember recently, and he's actually going to start working on a new video course all about citizens' arrest uh, because he, like me, is really concerned about you know what he sees in stories like this. Now I don't know what happened here. The only the only hint we get here is that it says. Uh, uh, the couple then held him at gunpoint until the sheriff's office arrived on scene. But I I just, I'll reiterate the Jacob broke, the Jacob broken record thing on this. And that is that, you know, the, the biggest thing that really separates us from law enforcement as, as everyday non law enforcement people is that we don't have the right to submit people to custody or prevent their escape at the threat of deadly force. So I, you know, if I point a gun at you and say, don't come up these stairs, uh, which is might be what happened or stop, you know, then, then I'm not trying to submit you to custody. I'm not to prevent your escape. I'm trying to keep you from becoming a greater threat at me, which would seem very justified, but there potentially is a legal line that could be crossed when I point a gun at you and say, 
don't go anywhere. Don't move. If you, if you leave, I'm going to shoot you. you know, and I, I make comments to the effect that uh, I am threatening to use deadly force in order to prevent your escape or submit you to custody. So I don't know what happened here. I'm, I'm reading too far into it. I just get worried when I see stories like this that it's going to give someone the impression that they're allowed to essentially execute arrests at gunpoint. Yeah. I think the, the point to clarify with this, because I mean, yes, you have talked about this a number of times, Jacob, and, and we both addressed it, is that uh, are there times where affecting an arrest essentially is appropriate? Yeah, there's times. Uh, are they, They're probably the exception rather than the rule. And uh, certainly I think where it puts we have to we have to read the situations for what they are uh, accurately, right? If if for some reason me allowing this man who had just tried to hurt me or get into my house or whatever it was, if allowing him to get up or allowing him to leave or to go puts me or a family member in greater risk or harm of harm, then then that would be a situation where it's appropriate. But uh, but there's probably few situations where that's actually the case. Then there's other situations where. Maybe you don't actually say, hey, stop, don't move, don't go anywhere, you know, and while you're, and you're telling them to, to, not, to not move, to not leave while you're holding a gun on them, um, that, that's, that to me is uh, probably crossing the line, except for, again, in the cases where allowing them to do so would put you or your family or your household at greater risk. Um, but then you have but, to be able to articulate that, right? Yet, right. The point is that I did what I did in order to prevent you know, to protect myself or my family versus I did what I did to keep this scumbag from getting away. You know, right. that, that's different. And, and, and here's why. Yeah, you're right. At the articulation, and this is what we did and this is why we did it. And, and, and then what I was going to say is I think there's probably situations too where nothing is really said like that, but maybe it's sort of, you know, implied. Uh, it, I can see the situation being where the homeowner's right there with the gun, the dude's at the bottom of the stairs, the homeowner's like, you know, it, I'm not saying, like, I think it's totally appropriate to be like, stop don't move. Not necessarily you're saying to, you can't leave, you can't escape, but just simply, don't you dare come closer to me. And meanwhile, you're there with a gun. And maybe that, maybe that criminal just says, okay, I'm not going anywhere, you know? And if that's the case and that's the way it plan- plays out, sure. yeah, so be it. Yeah. But we, we just have to be careful that we don't intentionally make efforts to, and I think intent is really key. You, you kind of, you touched on it perfectly, Jacob, by saying we, our focus should not be with trying to stop this scumbag from getting away. The focus needs to be, I need to stop whatever's happening from occurring. I need to protect and defend my family and my household. And beyond that, that's, that's all I should be concerned with. <laughs> Fair? Yep. Okay. Why don't you tell us, Jacob, about this story out of uh, Commerce City, which is uh, essentially a neighboring city or a suburb of Denver. Uh, so this is pretty close to where, where we are at. And uh, the story headline is, Woman Shoots at Knife-Wielding Would-Be Robber Who Then Flees. Woman is real estate agent and conducting an open house. So most of the time, an open house is a pretty boring thing for a real estate agent. You're just sitting in a house all by your lonesome all day long. A couple of people might show up here and there and then leave. But you know, for the most part, you're probably just sitting there by yourself getting some other work done or reading a book. So you know, put that in your mind. This woman's just chilling in this house doing jack squat nada. Man shows up, uh, walks in and produces a knife and threatens this woman. Uh, basically, think of it, you know, it's, it's robbery. It's, I, I want your stuff. Give me your wallet or, you know, it says trying to get possessions is what it says. So she retrieves handgun, don't know where from, from where, and she shoots one round at the suspect. Uh, it's unknown whether or not the man was struck. He flees um, and they can't find him. You know, he's, he's still at large. 
That's that's the fact pattern here. So a, a couple of thoughts. One would be, this is a very vulnerable position. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a realtor or been a real estate agent. Uh, I've never, you know, that's not a, a something I've ever done. But I can see this kind of thing being bad. Uh, we run into these kinds of things all the time. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a real estate agent, uh, you really got to be on your guard because you know you're walking into empty houses that could have you know homeless people or dangerous people in them. In this case, you're sitting in an open house, doors open, unlocked, inviting random who knows strangers just walk in and take whatever they want or or attack you. So you know, being a real estate agent comes with a certain amount of risk. And I think that, you know, in this case, this woman, she foresaw that the, that was a potential situation she could be in. The gun was handy enough. She could retrieve it pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if I love all the tactics here. And, you know, it's not like we have video or we can get really detailed. But it, it, to me, it's almost like reached, grab gun, turn, fired gun in general direction of bad guy. You know, like, did, did we really stop, you know, issue, issue a command, take piece, you know, part of cover, aim the gun? You know, I don't know. Any of those things could be argued whether you should or shouldn't do them. But at the very least, aiming a gun is always a good idea when we're going to fire it to, to a degree that's appropriate based on the circumstance. So all around, I call this a win. Yeah. It, there is an interesting piece here towards the bottom of the article. The woman was taken to a local hospital for treatment of in, injuries that are not life-threatening. Uh, police did not describe the, the woman's injuries. Yeah, so... Yeah, that, that could be anything, that could be anything yeah. but you know, considering this this was a, a basically a home intruder with a knife that threatened her, you know, maybe she did act, maybe this was close enough uh, that she did in fact get cut or something. I don't know. Uh, when it says retrieved a handgun, you know what that language tells me, Jacob? Probably in her purse. Probably in her purse. Probably in her likely. purse. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is that the most ideal location to carry a gun? No, everybody, everybody knows that, or at least should know that. Uh, I know some women that do it. Viable option. It is, it is viable. Uh, but, but keep that purse next to you on you, whatever. Uh, so yeah, again, she was able to get the job done, but you know, are you a little bit faster to respond to a deadly threat? If that gun is on you, of course you are. Cool. All right. Interesting story there and glad it worked out. Now on to a story out of High Point, North Carolina. Which is awesome. You know, just throwing <laughs> that out there. Like it's almost like Ruger, North Carolina. You know, it's like High Point. And it's, you know, the company makes guns. Continue. <laughs> now this, this story is published on our, uh, on our state site, northcarolina.concealedcarry.com. You, you can go and read the full story there. And of course, uh, all of our, particularly our news episodes like this one, our Justified Save stories included, you can see all the links in all, to all the stories we talk about in the episode on the uh, show notes of the episode. So uh, in today's episode being episode 339, I, I try to make sure I create a short link or a pretty link for every episode. So this one will be concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 339. That'll take you to our webpage. You can see the show notes and you can go and check out stories like this because there's a lot of detail here. I'm just going to try to give you the summary real quick. Basically, here's what happens in, in a nutshell. Around 2, 2.30 in the morning, police get a call that a man, uh, basically there was an altercation between a man and a woman. All right. And, and that, that's the initial call. There's not a lot of detail. Excuse me. Actually the call was around 10 PM, but due to the nature of the police didn't know fully what was going on and they didn't know where the man was exactly. And they believed him to be armed, possibly even with a firearm. They chose to, to set up a perimeter. And apparently at this point, the woman is taking shelter in her home, but police set up a perimeter in the area and they, and they eventually search the area, and they don't find the man, they don't find anything, 
they at 2.30 a.m. leave, believing the scene to be secure. No, 2.30 a.m. is when they actually finally walk into that home and talk to the woman. Sure, sure. But it was around that time. As soon after that, they, they leave. But, yeah. but it's relevant because we're talking about hours between them arriving on scene and finally making contact with the person who called them. That's right. That's right. So it, again, it says that they were unable to find the man and left after at around 2.30 a.m., leaving the woman and her daughter to defend themselves. At around 4 a.m., so an hour and a half later, the woman once again called the police, this time to report that she had shot the suspect after he charged at her with an axe. Police went back to the home, discovered the suspect dead in the backyard with a gunshot wound. Oh, snap. So we don't know where this guy was for a couple of hours, but he came back and she had to shoot him. Yeah, I mean, this guy was violent. He came into the house the first time and choked her. You know, he, he was intent on something not cool, not good. There was, there was bad intention here. And, and so he came back and this time she was more prepared. She wasn't as prepared the first time. Uh, but the second time, she she was on edge, as she yeah. should have been. I mean, as any of us would be. Yep, yep. Man, I don't, this this story is just. I mean, I, I it's we don't have all the details. That's that's the one thing, right? It's like it's hard to fully understand. I mean, again, it talks about how they didn't know where this man was. They didn't know whether he was armed or what he was armed with specifically. So they spend four four and a half hours with a perimeter on the home. And it says they also were waiting for a search warrant to be approved. Apparently there was, I mean, I suspect they didn't need a search warrant for the woman's home, the woman that placed the call. I'm pretty sure since she's the one that made the call that she probably would have let them come in. So there must've been other buildings or structures or houses in the area that they felt like they needed to search and they needed a search warrant to, to properly do so. So they were, you know, covering themselves as far as the law is concerned. But I, I, I find it very, I mean, I, without any detail, we don't know the why, but what, it, what we do know is that it is conceivably possible that you could call 911 and say, please help me, someone's attacking me, and that they could show up and stare at you from a couple hundred yards away and not actually walk in to see how you're doing for four hours. That we know <laughs> it's possible because it happened. Well, maybe, you know, there's, I, I, I would think there's probably com- continued communication with the woman that placed the call. Maybe. Maybe, you know, and, and that know. they, and that, you know, cause again, reading this, it says that, uh, uh, da, 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 where was it? Just says that during the time that passed before officers moved in to secure the scene, the suspect had already fled the home. Um, she says she was assaulted by the suspect and believed him to be intoxicated. So actually it could have been maybe almost like, a. uh, like a like a hostage kind of situation too for a time. I don't know. Again, a lot of questions on this story, but the the, the point is, is this this guy came back. He came back to apparently finish a job, and uh, she got the job done with her gun and was able to defend herself and her daughter and her household. Crazy, crazy story out of uh, again uh, High Point, North Carolina. Woo! Next up, uh, click on Detroit.com reporting police. Three men arrested after trying to rob CPL Holder crashing into Detroit house during getaway. Two suspected robbers shot by CPL. In, in, in Michigan, their permit is referred to as a concealed pistol license. And so, Jacob, what, what's the uh, story on this one? All right, here's the gist. So you got your 49-year-old CPL Holder. He's a, he's a chillin'. He sees three men drive by in a black Buick around 9 p.m. Now, the men in this black Buick apparently were trying to rob someone. 
Uh, I don't know if they're doing that from within the car. If they like pull up to someone on the sidewalk, like, hey, give us your money. Or they got out of the car. That's not very clear. But they're trying to rob someone. So the 49-year-old sees this. And uh, they, you know, they, they notice the 49-year-old guy as well. They're like, oh, look, there's another guy we can rob, right? So then they try to rob him. And again, not clear exactly how that's done, if they approach him or whatever. Um, but they, they approach the 49-year-old and they try and rob him too. But at that point, he pulls out his own gun and he starts to fire shots at them. Now, they flee. Uh, we don't know if, you know if they were already in the car or they had to ju- jump into the car, but they get in their car or they're in the car and they put it in reverse. And as they're trying to flee, you know, which I would imagine if I'm trying to drive away from people shooting a gun at me, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be a little reckless too. But they crash into a building, um, probably relatively nearby. And so they get out of the, the Buick and they run because you know, they don't think the, the car is operable or whatever. So they, they run off and they, they hide in a vacant house uh, a few blocks away. Later, they're tracked down by a canine unit, boom, fist pump, love dogs, and uh, they're taken into custody. Two of them uh, are stable, though they were shot. The third one was not shot and obviously is also stable. So that's the gist of what went down. Yeah. Uh, You know, a classic kind of on the street robbing story. And uh, I, I frankly love it when bad guys get surprised by a good guy with a gun. Hey, this this guy looks like an easy target. Yeah, let's take him. There's three of us, only one of him. Whoa, well, little little did it do they know that uh, you know, <laughs> 49-year-old man pulls out a gun. So, uh, good good on him. Good good for him. I'm proud of him. But I I also think the timing would suggest that this 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 gun owner saw some a robbery taking place and chose to not intervene until these men approached him and tried to rob him. Now we, you know, we don't know if they were armed, if they had a knife, if they had their own gun, if they made a threatening, you know, comment like we'll kill you if, what we do know is that one on three is pretty bad odds. And yep. so he seems pretty justified to me to, to draw that gun uh, and, and probably fire it, you know, without knowing more details, but he, he does seem to have shown some constraint constraint relative to waiting until he was in danger. Yeah, based on how the story reads, it would seem that that was the case. Craziness. All right. Our final story is out of California. And uh, this one is uh, pretty interesting. And this is a question that kind of comes up from time to time, Jacob, uh, from from viewers and listeners. Uh, Sometimes they're asking about uh, RVs. Sometimes they're asking about camping in tents. Uh, Depending on the state, obviously, there could be some variance, but from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong anywhere, Jacob, in most states, it seems to me that they have the way the statute's written is that where you are currently dwelling is essentially the same place as as a home, as a traditional dwelling. That uh, it, could, it would be fall under the same classification as so-called castle doctrine. Um, so. Now, whether that's the case or not in, in California, I don't know for it's sure. It's not relevant in California it, is the short answer. Yeah. California stands your ground state. And it, that's true. And it's, and it's not relevant to the story necessarily, but this is just to, to, this is an interesting story because it brings that kind of example. A lot of times people are like, well, what if, what if this happens to me and I'm camping and it's in my tent, you know, sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I sometimes think, well, how often does that really happen? Well, here's a great example of that sort of thing happening. Now, again, I I still think it's probably fairly rare, but uh, this is a really interesting and and pretty well-documented instance of someone breaking into somebody's tent 
while they're sleeping in it. And again, to your point, Jacob, this guy was clearly a threat to these individuals inside that tent and, uh, uh, you know, was, was on top of the woman in the tent. So story goes around 2 a.m., uh, this man, a 36-year-old man, came into this couple's tent and he was basically on top of the woman that was in the tent. Uh, she, of course, awakens. I'm sure she's trying to fend him off. And her boyfriend next to her in the tent also awakens, grabs a gun, and in the uh, altercation shoots the intruder who dies on the scene. Uh, so, I mean, pretty straightforward uh, story as far as the, the facts go in that regard. But again, well, what, we, what I find interesting is it's not clear to me whether or not the, the gun that was shot in defense of the two campers was brought to the fight by the campers or by the BG. Yeah, it could be either. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. So, uh, you know, I, I, every time I go camping, Jacob, I, I always have, you know, of course, I, I carry a gun everywhere I go. Uh, right. with, a, with a few exceptions, right? You know, d- depending on the law and how the law reads. Um, but uh, camping, absolutely I do. And I've, I've expressed and maybe even shared with you some of what I do to, particularly when I'm camping and I've got little ones in the tent with me. Uh, that's something that is on my mind. And I've got, uh, I guess I'll just spill the beans. Okay, so sometimes I'll actually have with me my quick access safe, just like I do at home. Right there, and I'll just I'll just have it in the tent next to next to my head or whatever. Uh, sometimes I even use it as a prop, <laughs> you know, put my pillow or whatever on top of. Uh, and again, it's a quick access safe, so it's it's secure, it's solid. Uh, I don't have to worry about sleeping so soundly, and my children somehow get a hold of my gun. I have also occasionally used in in more limited capacities. Uh, I don't necessarily really like the product per se, and I can't remember what the name of the oh, it's Safety Lock, right? And this is a product that's been around a long time. It's like S-A-F-T-L-O-C-K. I think it's actually S-A-F-T-L-O-K. It's kind of funny. Um, so there's this product that, uh, that we got sent to us for, for evaluation a few years back. And I got it for my revolver. And I have a 357 revolver, kind of a you know, Smith & Wesson J-frame style. And it replaces the grip on your revolver and has a little locking mechanism. And so, you know, in situations where I, I can't secure my, my firearm in a more traditional means and I'm still concerned about it falling into, I'm really more concerned about my kids. Uh, they are well-trained and they're taught, but I don't trust a three-year-old with, you know, it doesn't mean I'm, I, I, I throw caution in the wind and say, oh, my three-year-old understands firearm safety rules. Like I still have to take reasonable steps and, and precautions to make sure that they're safe. And so I've had situations where we're camping and we're, we're alone. And I, 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 I do worry a little bit about sleeping so soundly that I'm not alerted to waking up and finding my child, you know, playing with, with a gun. And so I've used that. That is probably the one context where I've used that safety lock device. So there you go. Just thought I'd throw that out there. It's a, so we, we want to be defensively minded, of course, because crap can happen even in the most least likely of situations that we would think but we still need to make sure that we are responsible gun owners as well. Yeah. And I'll just quickly you know, try and summarize the legal can of worms that had to be opened on this one. So whether or not a tent isn't or does or doesn't qualify as a dwelling or a habitation or a premise that you would normally be justified in defending like a home is only relevant in 13 states. 
Uh, I, I say that because the only the only thing legally that changes whether you're on the street or in your home is whether or not you have a duty to retreat. Normally, sure. if you're not in your home and in your home, you, you do not have that duty to retreat, right? And there's only 13 states where that, that applies. So there are 13 states in this country where in the home, I do not have to retreat, but outside the home, I do, right? The 13 duty to retreat states, that is the only, those are the only states where there's really any legitimate difference. There's a couple, there's a couple other weird ones like Colorado. We kind of have this legal presumption thing in the home, but, but for the most part, the only time it really matters whether you're in your home or not in your home uh, is in those 13 states. So if California is one of those 13 states and it's not Colorado's one, or excuse me, California is what we're talking about. If California was one of those 13 states and it's not, but if it was, then yeah, we, we might want to ask ourselves, you know, well, does this tent qualify as, as a habitation or a dwelling or a premise um, it probably still wouldn't have mattered because there was no safe avenue of retreat when someone yeah. comes into the tent and jumps on top of you. Pretty uh, hard to the, retreat. Yeah, your your legal duty to retreat is is kind of you've removed anyway because there is no safe avenue of retreat at that point. Uh, but anyway, that so it's it's definitely a non-issue for various reasons. It's it's a non-issue because there would be no safe avenue to retreat anyway. It's a non-issue because it took place in California where there is no legal duty to retreat in or outside the home regardless. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to yep. close that loop. No, and that is really good uh, clarification. Now, one other final note on this that would be interesting to note and somewhat relevant is California being kind of the restrictive state that it is, uh, especially as it relates to concealed carry. Now, whether this individual had a concealed carry permit, I don't know. And, it, and it's not necessarily relevant probably in this situation, but what might be interesting to know or might be relevant, relevant would be now, maybe this person doesn't have a permit and maybe they can't carry that gun concealed, for instance, on their person, but is there a provision in the law where a dwelling, uh, a place of dwelling, you can have a gun and you can, you know, and, and you're not violating, you know, some, some law someplace, you know, in California. You see what I'm, you see where I'm going sure, with that? Sure, sure, Yeah. So, so, you're saying, you know, whether or not the tent qualifies as a habitation could have implications on just the, the legal possession of the gun. Yeah, possessing and also having it in a concealed manner. Sure, I guess right. Yeah, so. in this case, this county, because uh, as many people know in California, you know whether or not you can or can't get a concealed carry permit is very county dependent. And this this took place in a county that's in the middle of nowhere. It's it's this county is more national force than it is you know urban city stuff. Tu- Tuolumne County. I don't know. It's right. It's right next to Yosemite National Park. And Stanislaus National Forest. I do not even say this stuff. It's right by Sonora, <laughs> California. Uh, you know, directly east of Modesto, Stockton, right in there. Sure. So rural, and I suspect in that county, um, it's probably pretty easy to get a concealed carry permit. Now you know why I didn't even bother pronouncing the the specific location <laughs> no, no. when I was br- in- introducing the story. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Cool. Well, hey, that brings us to the uh, bottom of the stories. And so we hope that uh, in reviewing these Justified Save stories, it was helpful for you in, in understanding and refining your own personal protection uh, plans and, and strategies and tactics. Uh, we certainly are, are passionate about teaching about these things and, and passionate about making sure our people, you know, you, our family, uh, are safe. And not only safe physically and defensively, but safe legally and that we abide by the law and also that we're responsible gun owners because we think that's all, it's all a holistic 
approach, right, to this lifestyle. So again, today's today's episode made possible brought to you by Wilderness Tactical with their new, well, it's not really new, but it's new to us because Jacob and I had neither, neither of us had really uh, played with the product much, but the uh, Wilderness Tactical Ankle Holster, again, uh, I think it's a, a, a really good ankle holster. Check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash ankle rig, A-N-K-L-E-R-I-G. And then this week, launching our Fighting From Cover course, where you can learn more about that at fightingfromcover.com. We hope that you'll support our sponsors and support our products, which further allows us to continue doing what we do. You'll note that we don't do content. We don't do Patreon. We don't do you know, paid content necessarily. We do have our uh, Guardian Nation membership program. We have special content for members in that area. But um, as it relates to the podcast, we don't do anything paid per se. But when you buy from us or support our sponsors, it supports us. And we do appreciate that. Before we let you go, I do want to let you know that uh, last week we failed in getting the giveaway up and going. There's just too much uh, hecticness going on with everything here uh, at uh, Ground Zero. And uh, so we do not have a giveaway winner to announce this week. But I do want to let you know that we have the giveaway up for next week. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners real quick uh, what what the uh, next giveaway is, Jacob? It is the digital version of our Legal Boundaries by State book. So this is a book that would retail for $9.99 for in the digital format. And the best part is if you when you when you get this product, you have permanent access to all future updates of the book. And so this is a, this is a legal book. It's a reference book to gun laws in all 50 states plus DC, uh, plus a, you know about 35 pages of other great information about best practices while traveling with a gun related to interstate travel, hotels, vehicle storage. Uh, security, things like that, uh, air travel, national parks, etc. It's, it's just a really good solid book. We're really proud and, and excited about this book. And next week, we will give away a copy of the ebook to one lucky winner. So concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize is where you go and enter. You can get up to 10 entries by sharing the giveaway with your friends. Yep. So do it. Go do it now. And we'll announce those winners next Tuesday. All right. So with that, it's time to wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for being here and being a part of the show, either listening or viewing live on Facebook. Uh, We do appreciate all of you. And if you are so inclined to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes or Google Play. Or you may also write us at podcast at concealedcarry.com, including whether you have any suggestions for the show, topics, ideas, uh, whatever it is. You can can reach out to us at podcast at concealedcarry.com. So with that, we will bid you farewell till, well, probably tomorrow. I think we'll do uh, uh, the second episode for this week tomorrow. And uh, I, I believe because it's relevant and it's appropriate and it's recent, we're going to probably talk a little bit about the uh, recent active shootings or mass shootings. And, uh, but I've got a, I got a little bit of a, a, a twist that we'll kind of throw at you as, as it relates to those things. So, we're going to let you go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.